Church, we can praise the Lord today knowing it is well with our souls because of the blood of Christ spilled on the cross of Calvary for your salvation and for mine, a message that the Word of God recounts and tells. And so let's turn our attention to God's Word once again as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. Today we come to Mark uh, chapter 13. So let me invite you to open the Scriptures with me to Mark chapter 13. Uh, One of the most complex and perhaps debated portions of God's Word recounting Jesus' words on the end times. No doubt the most debated chapter of Mark's gospel. But because we believe the Scripture's own testimony concerning itself, we come to this text like we do other texts from God's Word, uh, ready to receive and believe the Word of the Lord. And though the various... Uh, detailed interpretations of a passage like this may be debatable. I think the central message is quite clear. I believe it's this, that despite earthly suffering, Jesus reigns and will return for his people. Church, despite earthly suffering, Jesus reigns and he will return for his people with his death looming on the horizon in the final days of his life in Jerusalem, this message, this discourse that Jesus gives his followers is good news. So let's look at it together. As you find your place there in Mark chapter 13, join me standing for the reading of God's word. Our passage of scripture today is uh, rather lengthy. I'm going to read it in two segments this morning. Let's focus our attention. Let's hear from the Lord. Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Some Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and the kingdom against, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak 
How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those who those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. The Lord had not cut short those days. No one would survive, but for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Let's bow in prayer. And Father, we do confess our faith in you today that we believe you and we believe in you and we long to hear from you today through your word by the presence and power of your spirit lord give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth Lord, give us a glimpse of your mercy and of your glory and it's in the name of jesus we pray and ask these things amen you may be seated so at this point In the journey, as we've been seeing, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's in the final week of his earthly life. And Jesus is approached by one of his disciples who says, look at these incredible stones and this impressive temple complex. In fact, in 37 BC, uh, the Romans appointed Herod the Great as king of the Jews. And this Herod, this King Herod, Uh, went on an impressive and ambitious building campaign. Part of that campaign, he revamped the temple and he expanded it significantly. In fact, archaeologists have uncovered stones near the ancient temple complex uh, that are more than a million pounds in weight. It sort of puts a different perspective on the whole idea of the cornerstone, doesn't it? So here, Jesus responds to This disciple, in in saying, look at these massive stones, look at this impressive building, he responds in verse 2 and says that not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Prediction that Jesus makes that came to fulfillment in AD 70 when the Romans responded to a Jewish revolt and came in and ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And then the dialogue continues. Jesus and his close friends move outside of the temple region and over to the Mount of Olives where they have a good view looking down on the temple and his disciples ask him questions about this. When is this going to happen? How are we going to know that these things are about to happen? And Jesus responds and says something to the effect of in this age, trouble abounds. In this age... In this life, in this time frame of history, trouble abounds. Jesus says that this world is not about to get better. In fact, things are going to continue into chaos. Things are going to continue to be difficult. Jesus himself is no stranger to hardship. He's no stranger to suffering. In fact, already by this point, he's been resented, he's been rejected. He will soon be arrested and beaten and tried and ultimately crucified. And it's as if Jesus is saying to his disciples, and I think to us today, that your near-term fate doesn't look a whole lot better. That in the near term, 
Don't expect a good life. Don't expect an easy life. Times will be tough. Life will be yucky. It will be messy. It will be hard. And church, this is not a message that we want to hear, but it's one that we know is true. We can anticipate opposition, suffering, and tragedy. As long as we are here, we can, like the disciples of Jesus, we can anticipate opposition, suffering, and tragedy. It's the good and the bad alike face hardship. The good and the bad alike face turmoil and, and tragedy. Cancer is no respecter of persons. Tyrannical dictators couldn't care less about the innocent. Drug addiction, the porn industry, threats of nuclear warfare, racism, persecution of believers, human trafficking, molestation. These are evils and injustices that are rampant in the world today. It's as if Jesus is saying to his people, it's as if Jesus is saying to us, don't be surprised by these things. Sin still wreaks havoc. In this age, trouble abounds. Hardship continues and it will continue until I return. So believers remain faithful in it. Remain faithful in it. I think there's two tendencies when it comes to this passage of Scripture and others like it that we, I think, should avoid. And one is to relegate Jesus' words here to simply instructions for his original audience. And saying that his words here are only for them leading up to a certain series of events that are unfolding in the first century. I think the other tendency that we want to avoid is to say that his words are only for some future generation of believers that will be around when the Lord returns. And here he's recounting signs leading up to his returns, to his return. But Jesus's words here are not meant to be a map, a detailed map to understand the future. So let's not be too quick to jump on a particular eschatological train or a particular end times perspective. It was major on the majors and minor on on the minors. I think Jesus here is speaking to an audience that was expecting a certain political Messiah. We know this. Expecting a political Savior to come and to, to make things better immediately for God's people on earth. And Jesus tells his disciples, that's not the way this is going to go down. No, things are going to continue to be difficult. Sin will continue to cause chaos. The world will continue to be depraved. Wars will continue. Rumors of wars will continue. Terrible things are going to happen. But until that day, anticipate opposition, suffering, and tragedy. Until the day of his return. Anticipate these things. But even so, I think that the words of Christ here and certainly in the pages of God's word that we believers can take comfort in the midst of such circumstances because the sovereign God is with us. Take comfort, believers. Take comfort because the sovereign God is with us. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus says these things are going to unfold. And I don't think he says these things here. This is not a a pretty message at first. 
don't think he says these things uh, to, uh, to diminish our faith or to reduce our faith in him. I think he says these things to affirm our faith in him as these things unfold. As these things become reality on earth. The scriptures promise again and again that God is with his people. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples before he commissions them in Matthew 28, or after he commissions them actually in Matthew 28, the end of that chapter, he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations. But then he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The sovereign God, our sovereign Lord, the sovereign King is with us. Similarly, in Mark chapter 13, verse 11, Jesus tells his disciples, when you're arrested and brought to trial, don't, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit is with you. He will speak in you and through you and for you. And likewise, church, the Scriptures promise that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us, residing in God's people, guiding, leading, comforting, encouraging, shaping, molding, using ultimately for His glory. And the Scriptures recount the Gospel of Christ, that God in His mercies sent His Son to us, the fullness of God in human flesh, living out a perfect life on earth, ultimately giving His life on the cross for us so that one day He might take us to be with Him. This is good news for followers of Jesus. Friends, despite earthly suffering, Jesus reigns and He will return for His people. This is a truth that I think becomes increasingly clear as Jesus continues. So let's look back at the text. Mark chapter 13, verse 24. He says, But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And He will send His his angels, and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson, he says from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words never pass away. Jesus continues, verse 32, he says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at Midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. So if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, Jesus says, I say to everyone, watch. Church, tomorrow there's a significant event that is going to happen. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, particularly across uh, the continental U.S., and that is a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse at that. Uh, you likely are aware of this. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. In fact, uh, the last total solar eclipse across the continental U.S., I'm told, uh, was before I was born. 
There was a partial eclipse, I think, back in 1991. The last total was some time ago. Uh, and, and so I want to see this. Uh, in fact, I've got my handy-dandy uh, solar eclipse glasses here. I'm not totally convinced yet that these things do anything because I, I don't know if you've ever put these on, but you can't see anything through them. Uh, I understand that these things are hard to come by right now. Um, so I want you to know that these will go to the highest bidder today. <laughs> Show me the money and these can be yours. I'm just kidding. These are not mine. Uh, these have been loaned to the church staff by Mitch Russell. And so we thank Mitch uh, for these. But I'm excited about what is going to, to go down tomorrow uh, afternoon. Uh, and I'm sure there are some people somewhere who think that Jesus is going to return tomorrow based on what's going to happen in, in words right here, Mark chapter 13, verse 24. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Jesus says at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Friends, indeed, the Bible teaches, Jesus teaches that he will return establishing his eternal kingdom. Jesus will return. If we believe the pages of Scripture and we believe the message of, of Christ, then we have to acknowledge that Jesus will return and he will establish his eternal kingdom. There's a shift that takes place in this discourse, in Jesus' language from local and, and world events, verses 5 through 23, to cosmic events, verses 24 to 27. In other words, Jesus says that significant things are going to take place, that this life is going to be characterized by hardship, that your lives, as my people, Jesus says, uh, are going to be filled with hardship and suffering and turmoil and trouble. But it's as if he says, don't lose heart. Don't be alarmed. Be comforted because I will return. I will return for you. And significant cosmic events will coincide with my returning. So what do we know about his return? What, what, there's a lot of details here. We've read through those. We don't have time, like I said, to hone in on all of these minors. In fact, I think we ought to be cautious about attaching particular events in the world today to what we read here or elsewhere about the end times. I don't think that's the message that the Bible is trying to convey. So what do we know? Well, we know that God will preserve and gather His people. The Bible teaches that God will preserve and gather His people. How do we know that? Mark chapter 13, verse 20. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, but for the sake of believers, but for the sake of His people whom He has chosen, He has shortened them. Again, verse 27 of Mark chapter 13. And He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. That will teach us that despite hardship here, despite turmoil here, despite suffering here in this life, God will preserve His people. He will ensure that His people remain faithful to the end. 
the time that he returns and gathers them into his presence for all of eternity. God will preserve and gather his people. We can know this, church, based upon Jesus' words. And I think we can also know, based upon his words and the witness of Scripture, that his appearance will be obvious. His appearance will be will be obvious. I'm certainly no expert, but I've been reading up just a little bit about this total eclipse going down uh, tomorrow. And I get the impression that if it's a clear day and you're outside, even though we're not in the the thin band of a total eclipse, uh, but if it's a clear day and you're outside, I, I think this will be rather obvious. At least that's the impression that I get, that the, uh, that the atmosphere may even darken a little bit. The temperature may drop a couple degrees during that time. Always a welcome uh, thing in Alabama in August. Um, but if you're inside, this is me speculating, if you're on the telephone somewhere, if you're working on a computer, if you're tucked away in an office, uh, then you could totally miss this. If it weren't for, for me or someone else telling you, hey, this is going down tomorrow afternoon, then you might even let this, uh, this uh, hiding of the sun slip you by. But when it comes to the appearance of the sun, S-O-N, I don't think you can let this one slip you by. The sun darkens, the moon failing to shine, stars falling, planets shaking, power and glory, clouds opening. Now, contrary to popular belief in particular circles of our evangelical faith, I, I don't think the scriptures here are describing a secret rapture, but rather a public, obvious coming of the Lord and power and glory in a sudden way that will be known and recognized by all. I think the Bible teaches Jesus will return in that way. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and following, Paul writes, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. This is a significant event that's being declared here. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive or left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The coming of Jesus, this second coming, return of the King, I think will be rather obvious that it will be apparent, that it will be sudden, that it will be glorious, that it will be triumphant. And for those who serve Him, church, this is good news. This is good news. This is encouraging news. And because it is His news, not our news, because it is His news, we can be sure that it is so. It is certain news. For His promises are certain. The one who we trust, the one who we serve, the one whom we worship is always faithful. He's always faithful in keeping His promises. His promises are certain. They will come about. I have to confess this week as I was preparing for today, this passage of Scripture and the subject top, the subject at am uh, was weighing rather heavily on me and I was going to sort of sort through some of this. And the Lord, I think, encouraged me uh, with these words from Psalm 18, verse 30. It says, as for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. 
He shields all who take refuge in him. Church, we can be encouraged by the fact that the Lord's word is flawless. It, it sounds similar to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 13, verse 31. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Similar to the message we read earlier from Psalm 102. In the beginning, you, God, laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will, they will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you, God, remain the same and your years will never end. Friends, we can know from the scriptures that that Jesus will return for His people. Despite earthly suffering, despite hardship, despite trouble, despite wars and rumors of wars, despite difficult days here on this earth, Jesus reigns and will return for His people. And because this is so, Because we believe these truths from the pages of God's word, from the Lord himself, because this is true, because we profess this to be true, may we Christians spend our lives to proclaim the gospel. May we spend our lives, may we give our lives to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of forgiveness of sins by God's grace through faith in Christ. May we share of the coming of Jesus once to to lay his life down for the sins of the world and the return of King Jesus one day to gather his people from the four winds, from the corners of the earth, from every nation, tribe, people, and language into his presence forevermore. May we spend our lives proclaiming that truth. Church, if, if we really believe this message, if we really believe Jesus, in our conversations with our children and with our co-workers and with our next-door neighbors must penetrate beyond football and Jimmy Fallon and speak of Jesus and His love for us. Let's proclaim the gospel. May the Spirit of God give us a burning passion to speak this urgent message about a king who is coming again. Let's proclaim the gospel. And as we do, let's expect Christ to return soon. Let's expect Christ to return soon. Like that's how the scriptures speak of his return. That it'll be soon. But I think that's really the central takeaway from this passage of scripture that we are to be ready. We're not to be alarmed. We're to watch and to wait for his arrival. We're to expect him at any time. I don't think that necessarily means that we expect Him to return today or tomorrow at 1.30 in the afternoon or this year or even in our own lifetime. But it very well means that we live and in anticipation as if He very well may. When you get in your car, you put your seatbelt on. Not because you think somebody's going to rear-end you. If you did, you probably wouldn't get in your car that day. You you buy car insurance hoping that you're not going to have to use it, but knowing that you very well may. Just likewise, to expect 
Christ to return soon is to anticipate His arrival by living for Him, by trusting in Him, by serving Him, by becoming consumed not with the things of this world, not with career ambitions or personal hobbies or all-star little league baseball or whatever else, not to become totally consumed with these things, but to be totally consumed with Jesus and His, His glory. I think that's what it means, or part of what it means to expect Him to return and expect Him to return soon. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 recounts what Jesus has done for us, bringing victory over sin and death. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, Paul writes, But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I think expecting His return soon is to give ourselves fully to His work. Let's expect His return soon. But church, let's not only expect His return soon, let's desire it. This desire because we believe in the message of Scripture. We believe in the message of the Gospel that clearly declares that Jesus satisfies to a degree and for a duration that nothing else satisfies. So believers, if you know Him, if you've trusted in Jesus for salvation, if you know that life in Him and with Him and through Him is better, then you have every reason, I have every reason to eagerly long for His arrival. Just just long for His arrival. Just want Him to return. And we want Him to return because we know, based upon the testimony of His Word, that we have been clothed in His righteousness. That we have been forgiven our sins through faith in Him. That we can approach God confidently, boldly through His blood. We can know, as those who have repented and trusted in Jesus for salvation, that God will welcome us into His presence. And there is nowhere else that we should rather be than with Him. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 and following recount earth groaning for the Lord's return, waiting in eager expectation, believers waiting in eager expectation for the return of the King, for the return of Jesus. May we wait eagerly, patiently, hoping for His arrival, eagerly longing for the Lord's arrival, for despite earthly suffering, Jesus reigns and He will return for his people. The Bible closes with these words, Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. And I think this is significant. Re- Revelation doesn't just close with these words, it, it does, but the entire collection of God's written word closes with these words, firstly from Jesus, verse 20. He who testifies to these things, that's Jesus, says, Yes, I am coming soon. And John responds, Likewise, the church should respond and say, Amen. May it be so. Come, Lord Jesus. And may that be our prayer today as His people. 
Father, we believe in you. We long to worship you and to know you fully. And we thank you that we can know you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for the promises of your word. We thank you that you are a God who cares for us and who will return for us as your people. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to serve you. Help us to long for your arrival. Lord, as we seek to live for you here, always giving ourselves fully to your work, guide us to that end by the presence and the power of your spirit. May we respond now to the truth of your word in a way that glorifies your name. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen.